Hi, I'm Tina Spangler with TLC Barrows and welcome to my podcast. It is June 28th, 2022, and this is Q&A number 98 for my Facebook virtual coaching group. So I'd like to welcome some new members, Annie Tennessee, Jody Kentucky, and in Florida, Becky Caitlin and Tracy. Welcome to the group. This week's topic is going to be, um, it's part of the uh, horsemanship challenge we're doing for the month of June and July. And this part's going to be, the topic today is on foundation in the saddle. So we're going to talk on that. There's about 11 or 12 things I want to go over there. I do have some really good questions from the week that came in from you guys with your videos. And I'll go over those as well. Um, Some quick housekeeping I um, have the members' um, personal best prizes. We're going to do the drawing on Friday. So if you had a personal best, any win, whether you moved up a division, a fast time in an arena, uh, accomplished something on your horse that you're proud of, anything. I think I already have 21 names on the list. I draw, do a drawing on the first of every month, and you can win one free month in the group which is a $15 value, as well as um, a TLC saddle cross or keychain, my TLC books, uh, TLC hat. There's There's a few things that you can win. And I do it every month. It's nothing big, but I just do it because I want to celebrate your wins, you know. And uh, every Monday we put in, you know, to celebrate too, because we have to be uh, positive. We have to be excited about the small stuff. And the small stuff is what leads to the big stuff. So that's why we do this. So let me know if your name is not on the list. I put it in the group today and I will add you before the drawing on Friday. So, um... Let's see here. This past week, there was quite a few barrel races, and I had several people send them to me. Uh, So I'm working on videos. I've done about 23 videos uh, in the past few days for the group. I have about 10 more to go, so I'm working on those slowly but surely. And um, so as I go into today, I do want to talk about, um, you know, just trying to always find the positive in things. Last week I talked a little bit about if your cup is half full or half empty. So just keep a positive attitude. I know it's hard sometimes. You know, me personally here, I, you know, I'm by myself a lot. Um, so I have this five acres I take care of and five horses and, you know, it was just one thing after another, something with my truck, something with one of my four wheelers, something with, um, my a horse, something with a dog. It was just something in the house. It was just a bunch of little things around my coaching group and and doing lessons. Oh, and then I had some changes for my clinics for 2023 come up and just a lot of different things going on. And, you know, those are the days where you kind of want to pull your hair out. But still, if you look at it on the scale of things, it's extremely small. So you could sit there and you could like look back at your last few years and you could have a pity party of of all the things that have gone badly or you could really focus every day and give thanks to God just for the day the day and just have joy in the day and just give thanks for all the wonderful things in your life and that's what I choose to focus on Um, not saying that we don't have broken hearts and that we're you know all a work in progress and you know we're healing and and all those different things I'm not saying any of that but I definitely think that we need to focus on the good things because that's how we keep moving forward and advancing. 
So as I go on here, I'm going to um, just tell you I'm proud of everyone in the group, each and every one of you, whether your goal right now is 1D or 5D or just getting your cult started. I'm just really proud of everybody for what you're accomplishing. Um, and everybody's at a different place. And that's the most important thing, not to compare yourself to anyone else, but just meet your horse where they're at. And for me, the entire, my entire being is, is to do things that, um, is for the love of the horse. I love horses and I love the sport of barrel racing. It's been my entire life. And I just, my thing is I want horses to, you know, enjoy themselves. I want them to have heart. And, you know, it takes a lot. The riders, you have to really respect you guys that you're out there. You're trying to do the best by your horses, making sure that they are not in pain, making sure they're cared for properly, all those little things, because that's what keeps them wanting to try for you. And those of you that are having any little issues, you should pat yourself on the back for going to that extra level of um, getting with a vet or a trainer or a coach or, you know, more lessons or more clinics or, you know, more, you know, just more information to do better by your horse. And you really have to trust your gut feeling about things too, because if you get frustrated, there's a lot of scenarios, you know, it could be five or six things. And I've talked about that with several of you this week alone. You know, do you think it's this? Do you think it's that? It could be this, it could be that. But just change one thing at a time and trust your gut on what thing you think you should change first. And then you'll know and journal about it because then you'll know, hey, this is what's working when I had my best runs. This is what's not working, you know, when things were going sideways and, um, and just keeping an eye on your horse. So I'm going to get into the questions now. One question was how to slow a horse's lope down. So um, so that's really a good question because a lot of horses, when I see them at clinics and lessons, they only have one kind of canter and lope, and that is really fast, really extended. And unfortunately, um, if you pull on a horse, that's not going to slow them down. All that does is get them to pull back. Their head goes in the sky. They hollow their back. And they never will use their butt like that. They'll have their butt extended out behind them. So in order to get a horse to slow their lope down, you do need to get control of their body. But you can't get control of their body or their feet until you get control of their their brain and their face. So I would start with getting them broke in the face first. And I mean laterally, left and right, and vertically down. And this should be taught at a standstill and then a walk. And you should start maybe a second and one inch at a time, but build to where you can do it five seconds, 10 seconds, 15 seconds. If you can get a horse to ride up into the bridle at a walk, trot and a lope, you know, using your seat with your legs and hands with give and take pressure. And again, this is taught over a year or six months. It's not taught in, you know, in one ride, you know, or in 30 days. This is taught over a few months, depending on how many days a week you ride. Um, but you'll teach a horse to collect off your body and to give to your hands and to, uh, you know, just, uh, they'll learn to ride on their hindquarters. So you're looking for four things when you get a horse to break in the pole. So when you sit deep in the saddle and apply even rein pressure, you're looking for the horse to break in the pole. So meaning bring their nose, even with their eyes, when they give 
vertically, then you also look for them to shorten their stride of their feet. You know, instead of a fast walk, a slow walk or a post trot to a sit jog. And then you also look for them to shift their weight to their hindquarters, and then you'll feel their top line kind of lift up. And when you feel those four things, you release and let them know correct answer. And then you build off of that. So in the beginning, you hold until you feel all four of those things. And when you feel it, the breaking in the pole, the shortening of the stride, the shifting the weight to the hind, hind end, which rounds the top line, you release it and you'll feel it. It's it's amazing when people feel it. I get to see them. It's like a light bulb go off. And that is the beginning of a slow lope. You're probably thinking, how does that answer that question? But a collected walk in riding into the bridle is the beginning of speed control. So is a post trot into a sit jog because when you sit and they melt down off of your body to a shortened stride, and then you can put a little rain pressure on, and they break in the pole and shift their weight to their hind quarters and round that top line. You just got speed control. So now when you lope, and they're on a loose rein, and they have an extended canter going on, you sit deep, put them with a little rain pressure, and they shorten that lope stride, and they tuck their face, and now you have a slow lope. Like I said, it happens over time. You have to teach collection at a walk and a trot first. You have to teach them to rate off of your body and back it up with your hands. Um, you know, so seat and 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 um, hands with give and take pressure, never pulling. Um, and don't do it in any severe bit or tie down, just in a light snaffle or side pull. It's not about the equipment. It's about the pressure of give and take. And when they get the right answer, the pressure goes away and it just takes time. So I hope that answers that question for you. Um, there was another one about, uh, being upset, you know, how do you get your confidence back after a bad run? That was the next question. And, um, here's the thing. It's just like life barrel racing. You're going to have good runs. You're going to have bad runs. So we're either winning or we're learning. And I say this all the time. So, um, if you're winning, celebrate your win, be happy, you know, pet your horse, high five your family, your friends, and enjoy the evening. Just be proud of yourself. If you have a bad run, shake it off. Look at your photos and videos. Learn from it. Go back to the practice pen and say, okay, did I not ride during the week? Did I not um, prepare my horse during the week? Did I not warm up correctly? Did I not you know, visualize that arena and how I needed to ride for that arena? Did I mess up on my cues? Did I just miss my spot? Did I have bad timing and position? Figure out where it went wrong and then work on it. And just remember that a one bad run does not define you. Um, you'll just learn from it, you know, and sometimes, you know, it takes a couple times to figure things out, but I can promise you this. It's better to slow things down and be slow, right? Because slow right beats fast wrong every time. So you just, you know, it's, it's kind of like you want to run and rim. That's the goal. But if you have all run and no turn, that's not going to win. But if you have just turn and no run, that's not going to win. So you have to have a combination of both. But it's education with speed and it takes time. So when things are not right, slow it down and go for correct. Go for pretty. And then the speed will come with the confidence. Just remember that. Okay. And the next question is about shaving off those last few tenths. Um, 
Okay, that that's a tricky one. And I have a section in my book about that. And that really comes down to how good your foundation is, how much of a team building you and your horse have going on. Um, it could be some simple things like maybe less bit, maybe more bit, um, maybe more spur, maybe less spur, you know, you know, maybe it's knowing your horse a little bit more and what's the right answer for them. Maybe it's changing a spot in your turn, knowing where your spots are. I put in the group last week a diagram. I drew it out and I put where TLC spots are, where in the hole is, where you should be round with your horse from spot one to two, and where your pivot spots are, which are pretty much the same on first and third, but not second. And I hope everybody looked at that and understood it because those little details will shave off tents too. You don't want more than two strides of rate and you don't want more than two strides around a barrel. And you have to remember the physics of barrel racing is simple. The shortest distance from A to B is a straight line. So, but if you go from the alleyway straight at the barrel, that's going to set you up for a bad turn because it's too rigid. But if you take a huge rainbow to first barrel, that's going to cost you real estate on the clock too. So you need to know your sweet spot. You need to know how many times, you know, how many strides do I go up the middle before the timer? And then when do I head to my arc? And when is my arc? And, you know, it's going to vary. I've talked about this before, long scores, short scores, um, and your horse's size, stride, and style. Some might only need a five-foot arc, and others might need an eight-foot arc. Some big bubbas might need a 12-foot arc. Everybody's going to be a little bit different with the arc that they need um, based on, again, their size, stride, and style. So we, we go over that, and I don't ever cookie-cutter train. That's why we go over your videos. We see which one works best for you, you know, on your horse's individual needs and you know and that's why I want you to look at your best videos those are your highlight reels those are the ones you go okay this is my sweet spot that's what I need to do that's why you journal about it and say last time I was here I had an awesome first barrel I want to do that again you know that kind of thing so um so those are the details that are going to help you shave those last tents um and the other thing to pay attention to is your horse, um, sometimes when they're a novice horse, they can be more free running, but then they come into their open year and they become more of a push style horse. So you really need to understand what your horses need from you. You need to know when to hustle, when to back off, um, all of those things. So I also hope you enjoyed in the group from last week, um, NBHA state finals in Florida. I did two or three, no, I did four, I think total. Four, four, yeah, I think I did four. I did two free runners and two push horses that were in the top 10, the first place, second place, third place, and then I think um, seventh place. I think I did one more in there uh, just to get a, a combination horse. It was kind of, uh, there are just a bunch of different styles. So I kind of, I think I must've did five. Well, anyways, I hope you looked at them because it's fun to watch those different styles of horses and how the rider's communication had to change based on those horses' individual needs. Now, if you went in there and kicked five times to first barrel on a free runner, you would never turn first barrel. You would go to the fence. Same thing if you're going to second barrel and you push a free runner five times like they were, those push horses, it's not going to work. So that's why I wanted you to see how horses that could be in the 1D at state finals could also be horses that had to be sat early and bumped with a two-hand rain check. You must know your horse, and some horses you had to rate for first, but hustle more second and third, a combination. So those are all important things to remember. 
Okay, so this next question was about bleeding, um, but not out their nose. And how would you know? So, because they're a little bit worried their horse might be a bleeder because every once in a while they get too nervous outside the alleyway and and they're also starting to have a first barrel good, second barrel good, but then third barrel they they freak out. So it is a possibility that a horse could be having blood accumulate in their lungs and it it they they're scared and they know it and they feel like they're drowning so they're not wanting to go in the arena or they're filling it by the time they get to third barrel. Um, and if that's the case, then the only way you're going to know is have your vet at the barrel race and scope them right away as soon as they run to check and see if there's blood in the lungs. Now, if they do find blood, normally they'll put them on antibiotics and tell you do not race them for two or three weeks and let their lungs heal. Make sure no blood pooled in the lungs to cause um, infection, all of those things, um, I'm sure every vet's different on their treatment. They may suggest Lasix in the future for your runs. And, you know, and then you have to decide, okay, you know, am I going to do Lasix? Do I try, you know, something else? There are natural treatments out there. I know Bev's uh, allergy and bleeder work good for my mare, Belle, um, back when I used to run her. Um, you know, it's just, you have to find out what, what works best for your horses. And some horses, it's only going to be Lasix. And some horses, you may not want to run them in the summer, in in these hot humid months of the southern states you may only want to run them in the winter because the hot humid months are just too hard on their lungs um so just those are things you definitely want to consider but definitely if you're concerned about it talk to your vet they would need to scope them right after a run to find out and so let's see here and that question comes up a lot when it gets to be 90 and humid outside because it seems like horses tend to bleed more in the hot human months. So just be aware of that as well. Um, let's see here. I think that's it for the questions. And like I said, I still have a few more videos. But I'm going to go ahead and get into the topic now. And the topic uh, is the foundation. So um, I, again, emailed this to a lot of the members. If you didn't get it and you want to get it, we are on um, part three. And this is the foundation, the basics in the saddle. And I do believe you should do it in a training snaffle or a side pull and split reins if you're comfortable in split reins. Definitely longer reins because you may want to um, you may want to do some one-handed riding. So that's why I like split reins because I can make them short if I want to. But then if I want to work on walking and doing flexing work, the reason why split reins is great is because you can spread your hands 12 inches apart on the reins. And if I just want to work the left side of my horse, the right rein can be loose and vice versa. And I can sit in the middle of my horse and not have to be leaning forward because my reins are excessively short, like my competition reins or whatever. So that's important. So number one is the face flexing. I've already talked about that today. Left and right laterally is important as well as vertically. The reason why you want this, if you're walking to a barrel and your horse feels stiff, it's nice to know you can just get their face without bending their neck in half. You don't want a horse that rubbernecks. You just want to be able to get their nose, get their nose or eye slightly to the inside so that you can pick up their shoulder and soften their rib. And it helps with shaping your horse. The more you can get that shoulder and soften that rib, the more they're going to feel round and get their hip up underneath them. And that's what we're looking for so that they're pulling with their shoulders and pushing with their hips and really using their bodies correctly. And that's a biomechanic thing. And, um, 
And that's what you also want to look at. You know, if a horse is using their body correct, they're going to be faster on the pattern than the horse that is not. You know, the horse that's, uh, you know, rooting on your hands or the horse that's strung out in the turns or, you know, overly stiff or dropping their shoulder, any of those problems are going to be an issue. So we want to be careful about that as well. So get it at a standstill and then build to a walk, trot, and loop. Number two is disengaging the hindquarters from direct rein and indirect rein. And so why is that important? Well, if you've ever ridden a colt and they get spooked, to be able to do a one rein stop and disengage their hindquarters is a great way to get their attention and get them refocused on you. It's also great if they act up going to the alleyway. You can get their nose and disengage their hindquarters and then get going forward again. Um, but the other reason is that would be with a direct rein, an indirect, um, rein to move the hip would be, let's say I went to a barrel and I was raiding and I felt my horse's hip get out. I could use my hands straight, meaning looking between my horse's ears and my hands are even two hands on the reins, but just put my leg in the back cinch outside leg and push the hip in. That would be helpful if I'm going across the pen and my horse is drifting out, I could put my leg by the back cinch and push the hip in. So that's important for me as well. Um, anytime that you have a horse feeling like their hips not under them, you can put uh, inside leg front cinch, outside leg back cinch, like scissor legs and help keep the shoulder out and the hip in. So um, that's an important thing to know you can do with your horse. The third thing was rollbacks. And you really need to begin that very elementary in the beginning. Don't expect a 180. Just do one step at a time, back a step, over a step, back a step, over a step, because you want to feel the elevation. Horses are very front end heavy, so the more you can feel the front end elevate and the back end get planted and then ask for the front feet to cross over, the better. And some horses will try to walk out of it or hop around, and you don't want that. You want it to be a smooth crossing over the front feet taking a bigger step than the back feet as they come around. And by breaking it into pieces with give and take pressure, the horse keeps that weight on the hindquarters and feels the release and knows that they're making the right choice. So that's why you do it in increments. So if you do a 90 degree and then a 180, that that would be better than trying to do the full 180. But you can even break it into more and just do one step at a time. The next thing, number four, is backing. Um, Five to nine steps straight. A lot of horses like to go crooked. So you'll use your body, your voice, and two hands. Um, and you'll want to back them with give and take pressure. So sitting back and using your body, your voice, and your hand. And just cluck or say back. And alternate your feet. Left, right, left, right. And every time you feel a movement of a step placement, as soon as a hoof moves, you release. So that's where you start to pay attention to hoof placement. And that will make you a better horseman as well. Then once you do five to nine steps straight, two-handed, you can even do it one-handed. It's good to do one-handed riding as well. Um, you can also teach them how to back circles with their nose in, their shoulder out. That's really good as well. So those are things that are important. Um, number five is a loose rein woe off your body and voice. And that should be done at a walk, trot, and lope. I want to mention, um, it's going to be number 11 because I should have put that in there and I forgot, but you should do one-handed riding as well on a loose rein because you don't want your horses dependent on two-handed riding and balance rein all the time. 
because you want them to work off of your seat and your legs so that you're almost riding like bridalists. Okay, so that's important, but I'll, I'll mention that again. So number six is transitions. You want to be able to do transitions in straight lines and circles because that's what barrel racing is, straight lines and fast circles. And um, you want to be able to do that, the transitions at a extended walk, collected walk, a post trot to a sit jog, a extended canter or lope to a collected lope. And um, these transitions is what's going to give you that speed control. Um, I like to do it in spirals as well, uh, or a big circle to a small circle, because it teaches a horse the small circle. They're like, how do I do this? They know that they have to shorten their stride in order to do that. And it makes them use the, their core muscles more. It's like when you do sit-ups or riding your horse, you use your core a lot. So you use a lot of muscle. And a horse doesn't like to have to collect because it requires them doing a sit-up, basically using their core and holding those muscles tight, contracting. So you have to teach them how to do that. And so when you're working a smaller circle, you may have to work harder for it with inside rein, outside leg to really keep them engaged with give and take pressure until they learn it. Um, let's see here. Number seven. Um, riding off just your eyes and your body to do straight lines and circles at a walk, trot, and a lope. Again, this could be part of the one-handed riding um, on a loose rein. So technically, I guess seven is loose rein riding um, off just your eyes and your body. So number eight is loping from a walk on the correct lead in circles and straight lines. If you can't do it from a walk, try it from a trot correct lead, circles and straight lines, but your goal would be to go from a walk to a lope on the correct lead in the circles and the straight lines. And then number nine are leg laterals. And leg laterals are really important, like pole bending. Um, you wanna really two track where when you put weight in your right stirrup or right hip and use your left hand and left leg by the front cinch, they give their nose and move their shoulder to the right. They give their nose left and their shoulder goes right. So you're setting up, up for a left lead departure or to yield a pole to move to the right off of your left cues and then vice versa. When you use your right hand and leg, they move to the left and you have your weight in your left stirrup. So two tracking leg laterals is extremely important. One for lead departures, but two for pole bending or three to take them to a barrel and be able to pick up their shoulder and move it away from a barrel and keep their hip in next to a barrel. Because when you go around a barrel, you always want that barrel behind your leg. You don't want to turn that barrel until the barrel is behind your leg, meaning your front and back feet go to each quarter turn. A lot of people that don't know any better let horses turn the barrels at their shoulder and it begins a big old problem of not using their hindquarters and um, losing time on the pattern because they're turning at their shoulders as well. So that's something else to consider. And number 10 is to be able to do some of my drills, like figure eights, single barrel, D pattern, uh, and circles and true turns, mainly off of your eyes and body. Whenever I'm teaching foundation, you guys, I want to do 80% off my eyes, shoulder, hips, and my seat, and then only 18% with my calves and my feet. So from the knee down and then only 2% with my hands and always using a hand and a leg together and always using give and take pressure. But you have five ways to communicate with your horses, your eyes, your voice, your body, your hands and your legs. So make sure you know how to do that um, in the members only group. 
website. There's places in there about writer's cues, hands, legs, body, how to use them and when to use them. So you can watch those videos as well. So um, those are the main things. I guess the one-handed writing um, was going to be my number 11, but it kind of is number seven. So we can leave that at that. But there is one more that we can name it at number 12 or number 11, however you want to do it, desensitizing in the saddle. So as you mentioned uh, in the last week, as I mentioned last week, we talked about desensitizing from the ground. So once you've desensitized them with objects from the ground, then you need to be able to do it in the saddle. So being careful, very, very careful, make sure they're fully comfortable with it on the ground, like putting on a rain slicker in the saddle or carrying a flag in the saddle or swinging a rope in the saddle. So make sure you can do all those things on the ground, plastic water bottles, um, you know, umbrellas, whips, uh, anything that you may have to, you know, pull something or whatever. Make sure you can do it from the ground before you do it in the saddle. But it's very important desensitizing in the saddle, teaching a horse to spook in place or to uh, handle things in motion when they're scared, to focus on you and not what they're scared of. So all of those are really important um, things that I want. If I have all of those things in my foundation, it's going to make putting the pattern on my horse easy. Um, like I mentioned before, with Rocky, I did all of these things. Rocky, I started under saddle myself. I started 100 babies under saddle, but he's the first baby I raised myself and did everything on um, that wasn't a client's horse, but my own. And I started him under saddle. I taught him all his basics, and I, I started loping the D pattern on him one-handed. And once he could do that perfect, I'd already been walking and trotting the barrels. So the very first time that I loped barrels, it wasn't totally smooth but it was pretty good I could feel him wanting to rate and wanting to turn the barrel he was not real coordinated about it and I had to really do most of the work at first but then the second and third times he was doing it perfectly I didn't have to use my reins at all I just had to use my eyes my body my voice and a little bit of leg and he was working nice I didn't have to use my hands I could go to the horn and just keep my hands low and loose and he worked beautifully so I'm trying to tell you that if you do these things, that when you do take your colts to the pattern, it's going to make it easy for them because they're going to already know how to pick up their leads. They're going to know how to collect their body. They're going to already know how to do a five foot circle. You know, all of these things will already be established. So turning the barrels will be easy. I had one client bring me a horse once and she said, no barrel work, just foundation. I don't want to do barrels on this horse. I just want foundation. And she was a cute little quarter horse. And I'm like, all right, whatever you want. So I just did all my basics, did my dry work, my drills. I never took her to the barrels. And then she got her home, played around with her, decided to lope her through the barrels for fun because she had such a nice little handle. And she goes, are you sure you didn't teach her the barrels? I said, no, why? She goes, I just loped a really nice pattern on the barrels. And I said, well, that's because she had a good foundation. You know, she'd been working one barrel with the D pattern and the single barrel just to work on a big circle and a small circle for a collection extension, but never once the full pattern because that's not what she wanted. So we focused on opening and closing gates to go out and ride in the cow pasture and track cows and cross water and leg laterals and face flexing and transitions and a lot of it was done out in the pasture not even in the arena but I do like to do the arena um, for drills because I can see the ground and feel safer but a lot of your dry work you could just do out in the pasture so 
I was fortunate enough to have 500 acres to ride on for 19 years, so that was nice. Um, but anyhow, five acres is much easier to keep up than my old farm of 20 acres, so I will say that. But um, <laughs> so anyhow, I hope this was helpful for you guys. Um, if you have any questions, please let me know. There is a section in the members only and also in the search box in the group. You can look up any of these things I mentioned. There should be a video to go with it um, of me or clients that are doing this. Um, so if you can't find it, let me know and I'll find it for you. But everything's organized by topic at the members only website. And um, most of them are just YouTube clips and they're short, you know, a minute or less, nothing fancy, but you'll see an example and it should be helpful for you. So I want to go ahead and close by saying that we are all a work in progress. We all have great days. We all have bad days. We all have days that we win. We all have days that we learn. The only thing that really, truly matters is that you're happy that you know your why and that you follow your passion and your purpose and that you're thankful and grateful to God for the gifts that you have in your life. In my opinion, if you're doing that, then you're doing all right. So anyways, I want to thank everyone for tuning in and as always, ride with heart and God bless.